Don't think that what you're doing right now is going to be current or happening in five years' time. This industry keeps changing and you need to be thinking about what is needed, where, you know, not where is it going, but what's needed. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, group fitness guru and program creator Marietta Mahani chats with the fitness industry podcast's Oliver Kitchingman about staying relevant to create a lifelong career in fitness, collaborating with fun, fresh thinkers for mutual growth, making fitness truly inclusive, and how her work helps her overcome her secret laziness. Marietta, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this. Marietta, you recently wrote in Network Magazine that the key to a long and successful career in the fitness industry, and I guess it could be applied to any industry, is staying relevant. So have you done this over the past two decades or two and a half decades probably in the fitness industry? And what advice would you give to others who might be wondering if they can actually make a career out of this? You know, I started teaching in 1989, so that's almost 30 years, and when I first started teaching, it really wasn't, it wasn't a career. It wasn't something that you did long term. It was something that you did short term. You know, you're an aerobics instructor or you worked on a gym floor, you're a gym instructor. And gym instructors back then were mainly bodybuilders and people interested in doing that sort of thing. So, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, so what are you going to do in five years time or what will happen if you become injured? You know, I'd be quite a wealthy woman at this point. I wouldn't need to put money away for superannuation actually. But the fitness industry changed and evolved. I think I, I knew that. I knew that from the early 1990s. I don't know why, but it's it certainly it's evolved. You know, I'm not an aerobics instructor anymore. I'm a group fitness instructor, and I also develop programming that I really see as being something that's probably needed. Like there's always gaps. There's always gaps and opportunities that open up. And someone once gave me some really good advice, and they said, you know, it was actually part of a conversation. Someone said, you know, what are you thinking of doing now? I'm like, oh, I've got this really great idea. And he said to me, it's never a great idea until you actually follow through and make it happen. And then it's a good idea. And that was, I think I heard that back in 1994. And that sort of spurred me on to never, ever really say something is a good idea until you actually follow through. So I'm, I'm someone who goes, if this is a good idea, then we need to follow through. It's not something that we're going to shelve. It's got to be done. And if it's come to you, I really believe that you get thoughts and ideas that come to you at the right time. If you shelve it, then it becomes the wrong time. So follow through with ideas. So staying relevant would be looking at what trends are happening, but not necessarily following the trends. So you don't see gaps when you follow trends. Mm. If you follow a trend, you, don't, you won't ever see what's missing. It's It's having the... I know that being able to step back and go, this is great, this is great, this is great, but it's not fulfilling this particular need in my market and then going for that niche. 
you know, I'm not a big business entrepreneur. I don't come up with great big business ideas, but I do follow my passion. And for me, it's really important that I get an opportunity to sing the song that's inside me, whatever that might be. So that, that's what I think. If I was to give anyone some advice about staying relevant in this industry, don't think that what you're doing right now is going to be current or happening in five years' time. It, this industry keeps changing and you need to be thinking about what is needed, where you know, not where is it going, but what's needed. Yeah. You talk about singing the song that's inside you there. I'd say, Marietta, you've got a whole songbook inside you because you've got, I mean, if I look at your resume, I mean, or, and this isn't even just going back historically, this is the things that you've got on, on your plate at the moment. So you've got your Gymstick Ambassador, Program and Course Creator, the, the M-Swing that you do with Mark Davis, you do Aqua Fitness, as well as, you know, obviously presenting at events, at conferences, at Oswim. I, I don't know how you do it. And, and, and the pelvic floor awareness as well, the pelvic floor awareness campaign, is you're heavily involved in that. So look, there's a whole lot of singing going on. Yeah, there is. I'm probably like a small band, actually. <laughs> Lots of different instruments. You know, I don't have a family. So, you know, the, the role that most women would have would be to take care of other people and perhaps um, a significant other in their family, whereas I don't have any of those sorts of things. So I'm very, very lucky to... In a be in a position where I can literally be consumed by my passion, which is all of those sorts of things. I first started in this industry being an aerobics instructor and wanting to do something in that space, but there was a there was a lot of competition in that area. So I decided to start presenting in aqua, and I was very fortunate to have a woman in my life, Jennifer Shembri Portelli, or who's affectionately known as JSP, to really push me forward into presenting in that area. She's been a constant source of support and motivation and she also inspires me to be better and Jenny still plays that role in my life now. And I think that my very first presentation for Apple was in 1995. But I'd always had that interest in taking teaching to another level. So teaching my group exercise classes, which I still teach 16 of when I'm at home between Monday to Thursday. So, yes, keeping fit is important to everybody, including people in the fitness industry. So it's about walking the talk. So I teach regular classes so that it makes my presentations real. So I know exactly what worked yesterday in my class because I'm teaching at a conference. But that started with Aqua and I became, you know, comfortable with Aqua. Then after a while I thought, well, what else could I add to this? So it's been literally almost like a layer cake. It hasn't been it all happening at once. It's been a progression. And what I haven't done is let go of something to add something else on. I've enjoyed the act when I continue doing that and I keep performing and keep improving in that area in my skill set and being able to reach, you know, instructed needs. And then there's the group exercise, which has evolved for sure. You know, I don't teach step workshops or high-low workshops that often, although step is making a comeback and I'm doing step from the start workshops all over again, which is a three-day course. And my calves die. But that's that restarted last year in 2017, interest in freestyle. But, you know, it's moved into muscle conditioning. And then from the muscle conditioning, which I became really interested in, the whole pelvic floor thing came forward because we were talking about core training and then I got involved with Continents Foundation of Australia. And before I knew it, I became the ambassador and became a, a key person at their workshops. And I've really enjoyed that working relationship with them. They've been amazing. And then Gymstick 
Jim Stick sort of hit me in 2008, actually, when someone sent a video of me teaching with a Jim Stick to Finland. And that's when I got the invitation to go to Finland to show them what I was doing, this crazy woman from down under. And then from there, I thought, well, let's bring Jim Stick to Australia. So Jim Stick sort of happened after sort of in between where the pelvic floor stuff started, the pelvic floor stuff. And then more recently, it's been M-Swing, which is a program I'm hugely proud of. It's an Australian-made program with myself and Mark Davis, who's an incredible physiotherapist and fitness presenter. So we've launched M-Swing. We've got an online education. But we're also launching a new program called Move to Improve, which is all about the menopausal female fitness market and making sure that we're providing them with exercise options that are pelvic floor safe and also appropriate for that stage of women's lives. And then more recently has been My Group Move, which is something that's been sitting in the background because I used to deliver the group exercise to music module for Certificate 3 for many, many years and loved it and had to sort of give it up three years ago when a lot of the course providers weren't offering it anymore. So it just sat there and then Maria, Teresa and I, who Maria Teresa Stone, who's the Zumba Master Trainer for Australia and New Zealand, and I've been friends for many years, and we were just talking about how instructors didn't have this skill set, and we decided, well, let's take what we know and all that material that I don't get an opportunity to use anymore and put it online. So that's getting launched this year as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. There's, you know, if you've got a fertile mind and you have lots of great you know, concepts that come up into your mind, translating them into something that will actually happen and collaborating with people who are like-minded and excited as well. It's, you just can create some pretty cool stuff that you just wake up every morning going, okay, there are mornings I wake up and go, oh my God, I have so much to do, but it's also fun. It's fun. It's exciting. I love working with other people and I like doing my own stuff as well. It's amazing, Marietta, and it, it shows. I mean, you, you just, you're a ball of energy. And yeah, I, like, I, I don't think, I can't imagine how you'd ever have a, a minute when your mind isn't, isn't racing on one of the, the, the many, many projects that you're working on. Yeah, do you know, like one thing leads to another. I do a lot of self-personal development and um, a quote from Esther Hicks is, you know, you're getting ready to be ready to get ready to be ready. And that's really the way I look at things. You know, um, I don't see things as being failures. I just see them as being an opportunity to get ready for the next step, to be ready for the next step. So, you know, it comes down to trying something out and then going, oh, that, that part worked, but we need to tweak this bit because that didn't go so well. And that's, that's actually the fun part is stepping back going, all right, what went well and what didn't go well? Okay. So let's, let's change that bit and see how that goes. And then you move on to the next thing. So it's all about getting ready to be ready to be ready to, to be ready. And wow, aren't we lucky? The fitness industry is in a fast evolution process right now. You know, if you're someone that's in the industry and you're just thinking that you're limited by either your job, perhaps that you're working for a club or for an owner or you're teaching group fitness classes and you're thinking, well, is this all there is? You're sadly mistaken because there's so much more. You just got to let yourself dream, daydream a little bit and see what other opportunities are there. And then then seek people that will help you actually achieve that. Yeah. 
I mean, you've always been big on collaboration and finding like-minded people or people that can, you know, you can be mutually beneficial relationships. So, I mean, obviously, you've mentioned JSP, a legend in the Australian fitness industry, and Mark Davis there as well, likewise, Maria Teresa Stone. So it's 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 about finding these journeys and, and the right people to go on them with. And I think, you know, the, the whole thing with Maria Teresa and I, I mean, we both met when we really didn't, we were both really young and I actually saw her in, in New Zealand and we both weren't, you know, very well established and she was just starting Zumba over there and it, it was still very new. And so from there, a friendship grew who actually we became closer because of JSP. So Jenny also saw some talent in Maria and tried to bring her into the aqua space, which she has done very, very successfully. And from there, we started saying, well, what could we do together? You know, what sort of fun stuff could we do together? And it's actually when Maria asked if she could do my presenters course, which I run for three days now with Mark Davis, which is been the best thing I have ever done. Getting that man involved in different stuff that I'm doing as well as collaborating and doing new stuff together has been a light bulb, a light bulb. He's just brought so much to the table. And How good is it to be able to say that after working in the, in the industry for two and a half decades or more, to say that, you know, just in the last you know year or two years has been the, the, the absolute best? You know, it makes me smile. These people make me smile. They make me laugh. They make me... They also make you feel more confident and secure in who you are too because I have a lot of respect for Jenny, Mark and Maria. They have established themselves, you know, in the fitness industry and for them to also see me as a, a partner and a co-creator with them is just, it's very personally rewarding. And then when you've got this beautiful collaboration with these people that get who you are, understand that you've got other things going on because they have things going on too, but you just keep moving forward together, you know, like what's it not to like? <laughs> what's it not to like? You know, sometimes people say things to me like the fitness industry is so bitchy or, you know, they have some negative things. And I think, who are you hanging around with? Who are you hanging around with? And I also believe that you attract, you attract like. So, you know, I'm sort of giving myself a compliment here, but I really like working with people who think outside the box, who see opportunities and possibilities rather than where there's blockages. And it's good to see where there's a block, but as long as you know that you can work around it, that there is another way to do something rather than going the hard way. So, yeah, no, it's fun is the way I would describe it. And you know, I look forward to seeing what else will come up. Like, I have no idea what else will come up. I'm sure there'll be something else around the corner. There'll be like an, another exciting project all over again. Without question. I, I can't imagine that there couldn't be. So I mean, talking about evolution, one of the things that you're presenting on this year is STEP which, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, step is, is not what it was. You know, the, the days of uh, multiple step classes and step sessions at conventions yeah. are gone, but there's still a place for step. And I mean, so on, on that evolution, you, you still use a step for some of the training you deliver, but not necessarily in the conventional step class kind of a way. That's right. So the session I'm doing is step up your muscle conditioning, which is basically using the step platform as a way to do a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, squats and lunges are traditional, but using the step and its ability to vary the height, you know, this is something that's always been popular with step. Step classes were always this fantastic low impact training option that people could choose the level that they wanted to work at by raising or decreasing the level of the platform. I know because I was one of the very first step instructors to get trained in Australia. 
taking that principle and understanding that and then applying it to other formats is basically what I've done with this. So I've taken traditional exercise that you would normally do in, in a group fitness class in a muscle conditioning format and finding a way to use a step to one, change the intensity, two, add more eccentric control. So teaching participants in my class how to decelerate, which is usually the, one of the most challenging things for, that's what causes most people's injuries. So to control the eccentric load on muscles, but also to sometimes make it some exercise easier. So pelvic floor safe is always top of mind for me. It has to be. I've just been fully immersed in that. So this is a great way to increase intensity whilst maintaining a pelvic floor safe environment. And that's what I've really enjoyed doing. This whole process with Continence Foundation Australia has made me think outside the box about how can I increase intensity for clients that perhaps have problems with pelvic floor without them feeling like they have to jump and run and do all the other activities that cause them issues, but still get a great exercise experience where they can vary the intensity. Well, pelvic floor health, as you say, been become a really important part of your work. And obviously, you know, you're not just keeping it constrained in that in that one area. His pelvic floor health that's exercises, right. and that's one thing I do. It's it seems to be sort of permeating everything that you do. Yes, it has. <laughs> so, you know, M Swing, we got the tick of approval from Royal Women's Physios, and we've had lots of success with that. Gym Stick is also a fantastic pelvic floor safe exercise activity. And what I've realised, Ollie, is the space I work in is with women. That's who my target market is, women, and predominantly women between the ages of 30 and 65. So they're going to cover women that having children, so pelvic floor issues become more topical then, going through menopause, pelvic floor issues are becoming more topical than then. And the challenge is that our fitness industry really hasn't addressed that in a really upfront way. There's We have pelvic floor over to here to one side, and then we have all the fitness options on the other side. And one of the things that that I've seen as a gap and I've seen as a gap is in in the fitness industry, we are so excited and motivated by things getting harder and harder and harder. You know, there's more fit options for fit people, you know, but there isn't a lot of exercise options for people that probably have, who are unfit or perhaps have implications around pelvic floor health, which doesn't make them want to run or jump because they know it makes it worse or they have come to that space because they have done all that running and jumping but are nice strong and they still want to have a great physical exercise experience. The other thing that I've really focused on, Ollie, in my career is, especially with exercise and what I'm hoping to do as well with Tweet the Traditional, which is another session that's all about keeping it pelvic floor safe, is building intensity without the client realising that they are. So it's about being clever with starting with something that you know everyone can do and then you build intensity by using the classic exercise principles. You're hiding the vegetables, aren't you? I am hiding the vegetables. That's a perfect way to describe it. I love it. I'm going to use it, Ollie, and I'll give you credit for it too. I love it. It's exactly like hiding the vegetables. I don't have children, so you can (laughs) tell why I don't know that. But, yeah, it's about hiding the vegetables. So they... You know, you give them one option and then they go, oh, yes, I think I can do that. So they'll give that and go, you give them another option. You say, you can, if you want to, you can go up to here. So you give them the opportunity to go up. And as I say in my classes, you have four options. You can go, one, through the entire journey and finish at the same point as me. Two, you could go to a certain point and go, hell no, and back down to another exercise that we did before, but it will still fit in with what the whole class is doing. You could go along one point and go, okay, that's it, that's enough. Or at any point during the class, you can stop, stretch, and just, 
you know, enjoy the music and not really have to participate until you're ready to participate again. It's about giving people permission to choose how much exercise they want to do at whatever intensity that they want to do. I don't want to frighten people away from an exercise experience. And I also want people to choose how sore they want to be the next day. You know, waking up the next day feeling like you can't move your arms and legs when you've got three children to run around you know, it's not going to make you want to run back to the gym and go, whoa, I want to do that again, especially if it's fairly new to you. You know, I've heard people say, I need to take a Panadol after a workout. I'm like, a Panadol, really? You weren't sick, but they just couldn't, they couldn't handle the, the physical discomfort that in the fitness industry we crave because we go, oh, you know, I really worked out. But not everyone gets excited by that. In fact, a huge chunk of our population is not excited by that. And that's why they're not exercising. That's right. You know, they, they look at the fit people and go, okay, that's just for you. It's just for you. So I suppose for me my passion has been where's the gap? The gap is that, what is it, some ridiculous number like 60-something percent people that never participate in any physical activity. Okay. And I'll, I'll share you a secret with you. I'm actually quite lazy. <laughs> You're probably thinking the girl's lost her mind. But in all honesty, I don't know if I'd get it, if I'd exercise unless I was being paid to, which is why I teach 16 classes a week. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, sometimes I'll go to a session and the presenter's asking us to do something and I'm like, hell no, I'm not jumping up in the air and landing on my hands and doing a burpee. That Hell no. I might have thought of doing that when I was 20, but I have no interest in, like, finding out how strong my wrists are now because I also want to wake up tomorrow morning thinking, can I do what I do for a living and being able to get through the day? So I don't believe necessarily in super hard exercise, but I do believe in the importance that people move and that they move and have the permission to move in a way they feel comfortable and from there they they might find the confidence to try something a little bit more challenging or I can do this so maybe I can do something else. So I want to be that I want to be that person that actually starts planting the seed. Yeah, it's a it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because it comes naturally to fitness professionals to push their clients and participants on because if they're not then, you know, what gains are is anybody making? But at the same time, how do you give people the confidence to to push themselves but to pull back when they need to? As you say, to get to the point where they are improving their fitness, but not to a point where they're going to find it off-putting and they're therefore not going to come back because they're hurting themselves. People, you will, often people, participants will be naturally competitive, just even against themselves and push themselves into places of discomfort. So, so, so yeah, how, how do you do kind of, how do you make that change in people's minds? Okay. So because I teach aqua, I do a lot of stuff with older adults. When you work with older adults, it changes the way you think about exercise and movement. So you see people through and I've seen people through like a whole evolution I used to teach school kids but trust me Ollie that's not something I ever want to go back to doing yeah I used to go into schools and teach classes it's let's put that in the past (laughs) I'm not a kid person but you know I've had I've been teaching since I was 18 I've seen people you know come to classes anywhere between the ages of 18 I think the eldest client I've ever had in a class was 91 or 92 right so in your early 20s you've got a body that you can push and recover from but it's really interesting you actually go through this evolution where you go rah, 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 rah at the beginning or perhaps you haven't been that fit and then you get fitter and you, you're trying to see how far you can push yourself and you see that a 
lot. But then there's that decline at the end, of, at the other end of your life, where you're just seeing that you can still live independently, that you can still do certain things that you took for granted for your entire adult life. So when you start working in that space, you realise that you know fitness in the classic terms of improved cardiovascular fitness and you can lift more weights and you can run faster and you've got more power is actually measured in much smaller increments like you can still climb the stairs or, for example, you can still walk from where the plane drops you off at the you know air bridge through to where the luggage is. I'm going to deal with people that find that distance too much for them and they have to get one of those you know little beep beep trolleys, and so that makes them feel like they're losing they're losing their grip on their independence. And so, you know, those those are milestones. You know, when so this is functional training, really, isn't it? This is daily functional. This is daily functional training. This is not functional training, flipping a tire and seeing how many slams of a rope you can do and how heavy a kettlebell you can lift. This is like everyday life where people are going, well, I want to be able to just do my own shopping and not have to necessarily have home assistance, those sorts of things. So, you know, I deal with people at that end. So, you know, how is fitness measured? Fitness is, in my opinion, it's measured based on people feeling more accomplished, regardless of what the instructor's measure of that is. I get that there needs to be a measure, and this is by no means saying that that that, that shouldn't be in place. It needs to be in place because there are some people who, who really need that. But I also, as a group fitness instructor, have had my own ego revolution in that at the start it was all about how hard I could push people and people who worked as hard as I wanted them to work hard got lots of great feedback from me and you know I really supported them and then I'd sort of turn my nose look down my nose at people who didn't work that hard and I would mentally label them label them as being lazy whereas fortunately I have matured and I'm now looking at people going okay you're here so the fact that you've had to get out of your house and come down and say be in a gym environment that's a big tick great that's one of the hardest steps. That's half the battle one, right? Half the battle. You know, it is for me too when I don't have to get paid to do exercise. For me to get out of the house and go <laughs> to the gym is another thing. You know, then the next thing is participating through the entire hour regardless of what they're doing. So they're actually moving for that entire hour. And then for them to be able to see small changes, like I'll often ask, you know, what do you feel has been a success for you today? Or, you know, what, what successes do you feel that you have had since you started your gym membership? You know, what, what, what's been something that you thought, yes, it's been worth my while? And looking for those things rather than superimposing what my belief system is or what my expectations are or what people should be getting out of it. And you'd be surprised at what people say. It's, it's crazy stuff like I can put my bra on or, you know, I don't have to, I take my kids to the park now and I can actually not just watch I can actually participate you know things like people enjoying going out for a walk or, or whatever like it's it's those sorts of things that are not tangible in the fitness industry but tangible for these people and I think that that's really key yeah, yeah I guess then they're not like you know what you might deem sexy goals are they but you know what's better than being able to live independently you know it, I, I, Ollie I just remember a story I heard from a participant who said to me since I've come to your you know I have a session called Perfect Core what a terrible name for a class but anyway we do a lot of pelvic floor training in that class and she goes I don't need to go to the toilet more than once a night now and she can go to a Zumba class now without wearing a pad I mean that's significant for that individual she hasn't I don't think she's lost a gram but to her this has been beneficial in ways that I wouldn't be able to see on the outside. So 
it's not about me feeling successful as a trainer because I can see a visible result in another person. It's about what they perceive as being a success. That's the key. Completely amazing. Yeah, the transformation in quality of life would be unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So put the ego away. (laughs) Ask your clients and your participants some questions about what they value and then it might shift the focus a little bit more from freaking sit and reach tests and how what they did in their submax VO2. Like that they're great measures, but it's not the be all end all. Mm. Okay, so look, you're a, you're a font of knowledge. You are <laughs> an experience in the industry, as I say, so many different facets that you've been working in. What's next for you? And also I guess what, what do you what do you think's on the horizon for the fitness the fitness scene? I think there'll be more diversity. I think there's going to be much more diversity. I think that we're going to start hitting niche markets like women's health. I think that is when people say, what's a hot topic? I say women's health. I think definitely menopause. It's not been something that's been, we talk a lot about pre and postnatal and there's a lot of stuff around that now, which didn't exist when I first started in this fitness industry. That's for sure. And that's great that pelvic floor health has come to the fore, but I think now we're going to go more niche. I'd like to see, I'd like to see more stuff around men dealing with prostate issues, whether it be having to recover from surgery or having a large prostate because there's a lot of issues around that and understanding that around from a men's health perspective. So it'd be nice to see women's health and men's health coming to the fore and how exercise benefits those sorts of people. I'd like to see the fringes of the people on the fringes, people with disabilities, people with that are in aged care. You know, they're the sorts of people that don't get a lot of attention. Indigenous groups being really topical. I, I would love to be at a conference some point in the future, Ollie, where there's a stream on women's health, there's a stream on Indigenous, you know, health, there's and fitness options and how to reach that market. I'd love to see a stream around different cultural groups like some of the challenges that face women from Islamic women or women from the Middle East with all the awful disfigurements and things that happen to them and how they, they're also interested in exercise, but they need, they, they have unique requirements and being able to cater for those unique requirements. Disabilities. I mean, there's not a lot. We talk a lot about them. We talk a lot about people with disabilities, but there's only a few clubs that really do a good job with this. I think of Carol Sire at Monash Aquatic Centre, who's doing an incredible job there and with being inclusive, having all of those sorts of programming that's accessible for people with disabilities. I think we need to stop talking about that and doing more about it. Yes, there'll always be more fit options for fit people. <laughs> and probably, who knows, it might even become so much, it'll be, I don't know, it could go to a whole another level and be completely extreme and people have to jump off a building to show how, how high they can land or how hard they can, I, I don't know, it could go that, that in that space. But I think that as I get older myself, I'm beginning to shift my focus to perhaps not the gentler options but the people who perhaps would gain so much more value from exercise. And, of course, then there's the mental health, some of the mental health stuff around the value of exercise and mental health and it to be more inclusive. For To go to a gym and see a timetable that has programming for all these different population groups, that excites me and I think it's there. I think it's going to be there, yeah. 
So because that, that would be a case of clubs really, really taking note of their local community, which yeah. is going to, you know, the, the needs in one community are going to vary very, very, very much from, from those in a different community. So really, really kind of gauging who your, who your client base is and creating or sourcing classes, training that really, really re- reflects their needs. And changing the marketing. So our marketing imagery right now is all, you know, it's gritty, it's hard, it's sweaty, and and that's great. That certainly excites a certain population group. But when I think about the success of fitness actually becoming something that everyone participates in, we've still got a massive, we're at the very pointy end. We are not covering the masses. It's not general enough. And we have to really look at our marketing because our marketing, I think, makes fitness look inaccessible or unattainable for a lot of people. You know, my youngest brother is morbidly obese. I mean, he watching that marketing, I'm sorry, he's not excited. He's running in the opposite direction because he can't see how it's even possible. But fortunately for me, he likes coming with me to the gym. And, you know, Sam is not coordinated and he was also on the spectrum. So he has some lots of challenges when he's with me. He's accepted, but I don't know how he would be dealt with if he wasn't with me. You know, so it's you know, I, I get to really understand it from his point of view because of my own family experience and seeing that for myself. Yeah, that's real extremes of the, the spectrum, I guess, that you're getting there. You know, your perspective as a, you know, someone who lives and breathes it yeah. um, and has done for decades and then to the complete opposite end of the scale. So I guess it's, yeah, it's marketing at the moment. It's inspirational because, you know, you want to sell. This yeah. is what you can become. This is what we can do for you. But it also needs to be relatable. Yeah, I t- relatable is a perfect word, Ollie, because I think that, you know, it's great to have inspirational stuff, but it's not hitting the market that we really want to appeal to. If that's what we really want to appeal to, and I'd love to see that the fitness industry will gain the maturity and the breadth to feel that they can really take this on and be able to really not just be a good idea, Ollie, but to actually see it actually play out and I think we're definitely heading in that direction as the fitness industry itself becomes more diverse. I mean, back when I first started, it was like if you if you didn't look at a G-string, you basically couldn't get a job. But now, well, fortunately, the G-string has gone, although they, G-strings did make your legs look really good. I, uh, they, they, they're gone. And you know, if I just have a look at the people who are here at Filex this weekend, there's a diversity in body shapes and builds. And, you know, as that diversif- as that diversification happens more and more as we grow, then I feel that, that we will be approaching that, that market. So I'm really, I'm really confident that we're actually heading in the right direction. Yeah. So it's a good note to end on, Marietta. So, I mean, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast. You've shared a lot of information with us, but if listeners want to find out anything more, where's the best place to head? Well, I have mariettamahani.com website. I also have my own Facebook page where you can actually get a whole bunch of tips, exercise tips. So I also have a YouTube channel so you can get aqua tips, you can get muscle conditioning, pelvic floor safe tips, you can get gym stick tips, and we also have M-Swing tips. So be on the lookout for that and also be on the lookout. We've got mswing.com.au, which is the program I've developed with Mark and through my website. Marietta, thank you again. Thank you, Ollie.
For a range of online courses focusing on group training and PT program design, including group fitness management courses by the brilliant Kirsty Neald and lesson plans that never fail by the masterful Greg Seller, head to the network website. Courses are accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, and network members save up to 20%. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for face-to-face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Phylex, the fitness industry convention.